Today on Kingdom Currents, we'll be looking at something that is common to everyday life, but if we're not careful, it could bring about devastating consequences. Welcome to Kingdom Currents, a weekly podcast that I have been hosting now for more than a year. It is my desire to discuss issues that impact the education of our children and youth that they receive at home, church, and school uh, on these weekly uh, episodes. On recent uh, programs, we have looked at some shocking things that are taking place before our very eyes related to our children's education. Today, I'm going to be looking at some things that may be a part of our everyday lives, but we're not consciously aware of them or what consequences they may bring to us. What I'm referring to are traditions. The dictionary defines a tradition as an inherited, established, or customary pattern of thought, action, or behavior. See, traditions are passed on from one generation to another and end up being assumed to be right and uh, correct. Let me just give you one simple example that one family practiced over several generations that became a little bit comical when, when you see the results. There was a young lady who uh, was fixing a meal and had a friend over uh, for dinner and uh, fixed a pot roast. And after the meal, the, the person said to this lady, said, man, your pot roast was amazing. And I noticed when you uh, were preparing it, before you put it in the oven, you, you just sort of cut the ends off of each uh, end of the pot roast. And is that what uh, made it so delicious? Why did you do that? And the young lady just referred and said, well, that's because my mom always did that. I, 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 I watched her as I was growing up. So they ended up just calling this lady's mother and said, why did you cut the end off the pot roast? And she said, well, you know, I learned that from grandma. And it always seemed to uh, pot roast came out well, so I, I, I just kept doing it. Well, the, the two people then went and they contacted grandma. And they said, grandma, why when... Uh, you were making pot roast when my mom was a, a child. Did you always cut the end off the pot roast? And grandma just simply said, well, that was because my pan was too short. Now, now we can chuckle at that and say that that's sort of ridiculous. But what happens, there's a lot of trend, traditions of thought and action that people do every day that are unexamined. If this young lady hadn't examined a, a habit, a tradition that had been passed down o over three generations, she would have kept doing it and it really impacted nothing about how the pot roast tasted or came out. And we've got the same things happening in our lives. If we don't examine uh, our, our traditions, it can result in meaninglessness or even worse in our lives. Paul warned the Colossian Christians about the danger of human tradition. In chapter 2 of verse 8 is a verse I've often referred to in, in my teaching, and we find this warning spelled out where Paul wrote, See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception in accordance with human tradition or in line with human thinking or things that are passed down from one generation to another. 
Here we see that Paul warned Christians not to be taken captive by false philosophies or worldviews. And where do these worldviews and false philosophies come from many times? They come from tradition of men. Now, I'm not saying that every tradition we observe is bad. After all, Jesus told his disciples to observe the Lord's Supper until he returns. What I am saying is that we need to examine our traditions and see if they are actually true. We can't afford to cut the pot roast off at the end simply because Grandma's pan was too short. Jesus had some strong words for the religious leaders of his day regarding the danger of human traditions. In Matthew 15, some Pharisees and scribes, they came to Jesus and they asked him a question. And here was the question. Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. Now, I find it amazing that Jesus often asked more questions back to the people when he was confronted by those who opposed him. And this is exactly what he did in this situation. Instead of answering the question about the behavior of his disciples, he asked these religious leaders an even more important question. He asked them, why do you yourselves transgress the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? Wow. He went on to tell them that they invalidated or negated the word of God for the sake of keeping their own traditions. See, when this happens, we we are actually teaching human traditions as if they're biblical doctrines. Now, Now, Jesus quoted Isaiah when in this case, when he said that following human traditions instead of God's word results in people honoring God with lip service, but their hearts are far from him. Isaiah explained that man's worship of God is shallow because it consists only of traditions of men that they had memorized. Now, you may be asking yourself, what does all this about traditions have to do with the education we give our children and youth. Well, in my mind, there is nothing in our lives here in America that is more based on the tradition of men than how we educate our children, especially when it comes to their schooling. I want you to just think about a few things now. Why do we have schools? Why are they organized by grade levels? Why do we have certain sequences of coursework? Why do we grade the way we do? What about the accepted school year calendar that we follow or the times of the day or graduation requirements or the curriculum we use or such things as accreditation and certification? I can go on and on and on. See, we report after report on how schools are are, are failing and our children are falling behind those in other countries. And, and we try to improve instructional strategies and a host of other efforts to do schooling better. But do we ever even examine why we do the things we're doing? Or are the traditions so ingrained as to what school is and how it should be conducted that we never even give it a thought. Over the years, uh, I have lost count of how many times Christian parents, pastors, and teachers defend sending their children to secular schools because that is what we've always done. 
Of course, that isn't actually true. We haven't always done it that way. Uh, I can remember reading an article that Lifeway Christian Resources put out in a in their uh, Parent Life magazine quite a few years ago. The article was written to help parents make the best schooling choice for their children. And one person was quoted in this article as saying this, Our country was founded on the public school system. As the public schools go, so goes our country. I, I was shocked when I uh, challenged this article with the director of magazines that this person didn't see anything wrong with the article or the statement. When I stated that the public school system, which was called the common school movement at the beginning, didn't take place until the mid-1800s, I asked, how could public schools, therefore, be the foundation on which our country was founded? See, we've assumed a tradition that is dangerous. Now, here is the dangerous situation we find ourselves in right now. Most Christian parents send their children to government public schools, and a majority of pastors support this practice. And since the public school system has become completely secularized, its entire program denies the existence of God and therefore the existence of absolute truth. The majority of private schools have followed this same pattern of education as that of the public school system. And unfortunately, many Christian schools have simply tried to quote-unquote Christianize the schooling traditions of the public and private schools in in our country. See, in reality, this is hard to say, but Christians are transgressing God's commandments and biblical principles that tell us what he expects us uh, to do when we educate our children and youth. We are doing exactly what the religious leaders of Jesus' day were doing. We're nullifying or negating the word of God for the sake of our tradition of schooling. We are actually teaching our human traditions when it comes to schooling as biblical doctrine. Now, let me give you one example of how Christians are doing this, because you may be thinking, Glenn, you're stretching this. Well, Colossians 1.18 reads, And he, meaning Jesus, is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. That last phrase, that in all things he may have the preeminence, it can be stated, and we find it in other translations this way, that in everything he, Jesus, might have the supremacy, or another translation, that he himself will come to have first place in everything. Now, I want to emphasize that each of these translations, the centrality or preeminence of Christ must be in everything, not just our Sunday religious activities. If that is the case, then Jesus Christ must reign supreme in our homes, but also in the education our children receive in school. Now, there's no doubt about it. Jesus is not preeminent in secular educational institutions, whether they be public or private or even Christian. If that is the case, then when Christians send their children to secular schools, they are negating God's word. I have heard far too many Christian pastors and parents justify sending their children to schools that deny the existence of God with statements such as these. Well, I went to public school, and I turned out okay. Now, that's basing a decision about schooling on tradition. Or our public schools are good, and we have a lot of 
Christians teaching and administering in them. Well, I realize that there are many godly men and women who are faithfully serving Christ in secular schools. However, the reality is the worldview being taught throughout the curriculum is secular humanism or postmodern atheism. It is definitely not according to Christ. I, I read an article about what uh, took place in a seminary class back in 1995. And here's another example of how we negate God's word when it comes to education in our children, uh, you know, because of human tradition. And this article stated the following. Years ago, a seminary professor told his class at the beginning of the semester that they would work together on one major project during that semester. They would move systematically through the New Testament to categorize every area of truth and determine how many times each area is addressed. Their goal was to find what one thing is emphasized more than any other in the New Testament. When they completed the project, they were amazed to see that, listen to this now, the warning against false doctrine or false teaching is emphasized more than any other thing, even more than love, unity, and experience. Now, just one example of this is found when Jesus made this warning in Matthew 7, 15. He said, beware of false prophets. Now, that just doesn't talk about religious prophets. It's beware of false teachers who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. See, any teaching that denies the absolute truth of God's word and or the existence of God as the creator and sustainer of this universe would definitely fall into the category of false teaching. Now, if that's the case, then sending our children to secular schools that teach these falsehoods <clears throat> would be going against the one thing that is emphasized the most in the New Testament, the warning against false teaching. Now, I want to repeat something that I said earlier. I'm not saying that we must get rid of all of our traditions. However, what I am saying, we must make sure that we are not following traditions of men that contradict Scripture or deny the existence and supremacy of God. See, this is one reason why I started conducting Kingdom Education Summits a couple of years ago. I wanted to help Christian school and church leaders to address the issue of education biblically and make sure we are not merely being better carbon copies of secular educational programs in public and private schools. We must be distinctively biblical in all we are and do. And so we've got to understand that we follow human tradition today in our country when it comes to the schooling of our children, and we need to examine those traditions and break the non-biblical ones and not continually teach the tradition of schooling as if it's something out of Scripture. And so I want to encourage you, if you haven't registered for one of this summer's Kingdom Education Summits, go to my website. It's simple. It's kingdomeducationministries.com. That's kingdomeducationministries.com. Learn more about the summits and register for one. Uh, I, I'm fearful registrations are coming in and, and, and our, our space is limited. So that means that attendance may be limited too. So don't delay. We need to do this. 
And parents, church leaders, and Christian educators must unite under a biblical philosophy of education. And we must educate our children and youth so that they're able to think and act from a biblical worldview. I'm putting all my energies in in getting the word out and, and sounding the warning to homes and churches and schools. We must be biblical in all we do. We cannot follow human tradition. So I hope to see you at a summit this July. And I want to thank you again for listening to Kingdom Occurrence. And until next time, let's make sure we are not being taken captive by philosophies that follow the tradition of men. Have a blessed day. Northwest Christian School has made Biblical Worldview online courses available to all high school students for transcript credit, regardless of whether they attend public school, private school, charter school, or homeschool. Frameworks is an exciting new initiative utilizing the learning management system of Grand Canyon University. For more information, visit BibleClassesForPublicSchools.com.